Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, coming up on the podcast, Kim Edwards. She is Phoenix Sinclair's godmother. There is a GoFundMe to get a headstone on Phoenix's grave. Our Matt Abra will join us in that interview as well. Brian Smiley on the backlog at MPI and Justin Burla from Elite Excavating will join us on the podcast as well to tell us how this backlog is affecting them at Elite. And Lisa Dick is going to see Barack Obama. Her son, 17-year-old son Aaron, was going to go as well, but he has been flagged by the Secret Service. We'll hear that story on the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. All right, we have here our own Matt Abra. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. I am great. And we also have here Phoenix Sinclair's godmother, Kim Edwards. Kim, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming in. Get a little closer. I want to make sure people hear you. Um, You are here uh, to talk about, and I got, it was interesting. When I came back to CJOB a couple of years ago, I got a call from a gentleman who was talking about Phoenix Sinclair and saying, that there wasn't a headstone at her grave. So give us the backstory. And Matt's here because Matt did a, a podcast, and he's going to do a new version of the podcast. It's called Rekindled on Phoenix Sinclair. And so that's why Matt's here. So Matt, you jump in with any questions or, or comments as we go along here. But maybe tell us what's going on here. Uh, Kim, you're raising money for a headstone. We'll get to details on that. Uh, give us some background here. Well, um, back in, in 2000. Uh, six, um, a memorial fund was started, or um, a drive was started for money by the inmates of Headingley, Rockwood, and um, Millhaven, maybe. And uh, so when the money was put in the memorial fund, that's when we, we started raising money, and we paid for a headstone. And once plans started to move along, a realization came that the headstone was too big for the plot in the cemetery, so alterations needed to um, be made. And uh, those alterations cost a little bit more money, and you sure. just didn't have it. Yeah. So how much money are you hoping to raise then with this GoFundMe campaign right now? As as much as we possibly can. Um the money will, what we need for Phoenix's headstone is $90 from where the GoFundMe sits right now. But Matt had it listed as 1000 and any monies that go go over the, the what Matt had listed will be put towards more cemetery costs. Um, for Phoenix's sister and anything left over after that would all be donated to uh, different charities, children's charities. Um, yeah. Matt, uh, jump in here and, and uh, I mean, I know why you did this podcast because this is a story, this is a case that every Manitoban, I think, knows and was heartbroken, right, with the story. We followed along. We, we all, uh, many of us know the details and I would encourage people to look for the, your podcast if they want to hear more, but Maybe talk a bit about this GoFundMe and, and why you think this is, is such an important campaign. Well, the podcast got started initially um, when I was in school. Uh, we just decided to do this basically as like a class project. Um, and uh, the problem with that, though, obviously, is you're on deadlines and 
you don't really get to put the time and effort into it that you that you want to. And once I started researching this, because I was I was acting as a writer for the podcast, once I started researching this thing, I just really um, I got very attached to the entire story, and I felt that there was I mean, there's so much in this story. Yeah. This headstone is just you know the tip of the iceberg, right? Uh, you can go back because there's there's obviously the story of Phoenix herself. There's the story of Phoenix the person. There's the story of Phoenix her father, uh, and then ultimately her mother, and then the and people, what happened and what happened to her. But then also you know the, the failures of the child welfare system in in how. Uh, you know, that Phoenix wasn't properly uh, vetted and or protected, you know, and, and you know, you don't want to get into too many uh, political aspects of it, but there there is just so much in this story and it's so rich. And uh, when we finished off uh, with school, I just sort of came to the conclusion, well, we didn't do this, this story justice. So I'm going back to it and we're going to really try to uh, get in depth and try and do the podcast to its full potential, I think. But along the way, while we were doing this, it just, you know, as you told me, Hal, and as, as Kim here told me, there's no headstone on yeah. Phoenix Sinclair's grave. Yeah. And my jaw just dropped when me I heard too. that. Me too. When I heard that, I, I could not believe there was no headstone. Because, because... Uh, you know, and I said this earlier. It's Phoenix Sinclair was. Uh, she's a symbol. She's a leg. Like she has her legacy. And I know Kim here and I have talked about it a lot. That we ju- that she and and Phoenix's dad Steve also want Phoenix. We want her to be a, a symbol for the improvement in uh, watching out for our children. She, you know that in death she is almost a protector of children, right? And that is mm-hmm. her legacy. Yeah. And. Yet she doesn't have a headstone. It's almost like that symbol isn't in its physical proportions yet. You know, it's like you need that headstone to like put her to rest officially. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as a, one thing I was reading actually just said, you know, she's just kind of another number at this point because she is. She's just a plot. She's number eleven oh four, and it's like you know, no, Phoenix deserves more than that. Phoenix is a person, and she has her legacy, and she's not just a number. So yeah. let me let me ask Kim about that. Kim, why is this so important? Maybe speak uh, to that, why this headstone is so important, because I agree with Matt. It is symbolic. Phoenix, if she, de- she deserves so much that she did not get, she deserves a headstone. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 too, agree with Matt. Um on everything that he's he's saying and uh, her legacy, like she has always been in our mind um, a symbol of what the justice system can do um, and for child protection. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. All these years later, isn't it? You know what? You have you have no idea. Matt brings up the fact that there's Phoenix Sinclair, the person. Um, there's Phoenix Sinclair, her father, and there's Phoenix Sinclair, her mother, and there's mm. and there's me. Um, I just want to add that I was the only person, the only private citizen that was granted full standing in that inquiry. Um, there was a reason for that, and that's because she had a life, and it wasn't. It wasn't a tragic life. It, she had a really great life, and then her mom yeah. came and took her, and then she had a tragic ending to her life. And this is really hard for me to say, but the real tragedy in Phoenix's story, like in a, in a hole in the big picture, is the fact that Manitoba said they wanted to get to the bottom of the truth. 
Um, and as I said, both her and her father were were granted full standing, yet in the end we were reduced to um, mere witnesses by, the, by, by everybody pretty much in the province. Um, that commission ostracized us, which prevented us from actually obtaining a legacy in which we had worked so hard um, with the Phoenix and Clare Foundation, helping other families. You know, uh, when I, and a listener made me aware that there was no headstone at Phoenix and Clare's uh, grave. And then I knew that uh, Matt had done the podcast. So I talked to Matt and Matt said, well, interesting how the timing on this, we should get Kim on the show. And so that's how this has all worked. Knowing uh, you were coming in and I was thinking again, but when the listener told me about no headstone, and I'm sure you do, so I'm going to ask you, do you think about Phoenix Sinclair and what and who she would be today if she were alive, where she would be? You must, because I do. You know, I, I do I do every day. Um, I think that she would be a lot like her father, who is he's a very caring person. I think she'd be caring. I think that she would be someone who was a helper in the community. Like, who knows? She could have grown up to be a grand chief. She... She could have grown up to be a little rock and roller or a roadie or she could have, you know, she could have been anybody. She probably would have, you know, grew up and by now she would, this year she would be 19. She'd probably be working where I, you know, yeah. work setting up the lights in the mic. That's who Phoenix, that's who I see Phoenix mm. would have been or um, Steve Caesar or, yeah. or any one of and the never, family. And never had the opportunity to be whatever she was going to be. No. And she, she was just an exceptional five-year-old, right? Like, just the stories Kim has told me is, you know, she was, she like, was, I, I just laugh at every story that Kim tells me about Phoenix, the person, you know, uh, before, you know, everything that happened, happened, you know, and it just makes me, well, almost like fall in love with her, but fall, you know, fall in love with the, 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 the before aspect and then just be even more heartbreaking by the after, you know, yeah. it's, Kim, I, I really appreciate the way the story goes. Yeah, and I really appreciate you coming in. So, Matt, please wrap it up for yeah. us. Give some details on the GoFundMe campaign, and I would just encourage Winnipeggers and Manitobans to give. If you can give a couple of bucks, give a couple of bucks yeah. because I think it's important that we have a proper headstone at this little girl's grave. We're, we're almost there, Hal. We're, uh, we, we just started promoting it yesterday. We're, we're aiming for $1,000. As we said already, we've raised about almost 600 now, I think, or a little over 600 and uh, so we're getting there very quickly and we're going to get to the thousand. I'm very, very uh, sure of that. But again, if we do get there, don't feel like you can't still donate because any extra money we make uh, is going to go towards uh, Echo, Phoenix's younger sister who also passed away and also then just child charities uh, towards, you know, protecting children, as we said. So what you want to do is you want to go to uh, GoFundMe.com and then just in the search bar, you just want to type in Headstone for Phoenix Sinclair. And uh, you should be able to find it in that case. And, uh, yeah, and it's just your your basic crowdfunding. You know, you just uh, sign up, put in your information, and yep. uh, donate money. Help out. Matt, yep. thank you very much. Kim, thank you for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank and, you for having me. And best of luck with this. Brian Smiley from Manitoba Public Insurance was on the start this morning. He told McLean, McGarry, and McNabb that, yes, the backlog of calls continues. We had, at one point, 
nearly 60,000 calls placed to the contact centre uh, over a period of time, uh, the week of February 18th. February 18th, 2019, 60,000 calls placed to the contact centre. 20,000 were answered. The same time period, a year be- previous, nearly 12,000 calls placed, 10,000 answered. So you can see that. That's five uh, times the number of yeah, calls. In, exactly. In, in That's what week. we're dealing with here. Brian Smiley on the start this morning. Smiley says one of the main causes of the backlog is people calling for their Class 1 road test. We also know that many of the calls that are coming to our contact center have area codes of 604 and the new uh, Manitoba area code of 431. So these are uh, people that are either still in BC planning to move to Manitoba or they've just recently moved to Manitoba. But uh, that, these are some of the issues we're dealing with. But again, before anybody can take a driver's test, they have to establish that right. they're Manitoba residency. So we're also going through that too. And while 61% of people fail their Class 5 road test, that's the license that most of us have, Class 5, Smiley says, even though 61% of people fail that Class 5 test, He says the system is working. I think we should be a little bit uh, uh, satisfied that the system is working. We don't want drivers on the roads that aren't prepared to get on the roads and and drive with you and me and and your crew here. Uh, So the test is is basically a real-life test, and so people are failing. But keep in mind, many of these Class 5ers, they are uh, novice drivers. They are youngsters. They're coming out of driver ed. Some of them haven't gone through driver ed. Uh, We know that our driver ed, the students have a little bit of a higher pass ratio than what you're seeing right here. They're at about a 51%, the driver ed students. So uh, there's some real merit to taking the driver ed program. MPI's Brian Smiley on the start this morning. Now, I had a chance to chat with a gentleman in the trucking business. He is the transportation supervisor, the transport supervisor, excuse me, at Elite Excavating. His name is Justin Burla. And uh, they've got a couple guys ready to go, waiting for their class one, but... You know, they're they're not getting that road test, as uh, you just heard Brian Smiley explained why. But here's my uh, conversation with Justin at Elite. Take a listen. One guy has a Class 3 already and drives tandem for us. He's been with us for about a year. But with the upcoming laws and stuff, we figured we would upgrade him to a Class 1 just to have for good measure kind of thing. And another one is a fresh 21-year-old driver. He's been driving on the farm outside of Winnipeg, so we brought him on, and he's been driving under me for going on about six weeks. We do an average of about 300 hours of in-seat time after a driver has passed his pre-trip, after a driver's passed all his written tests and everything. We like to do anywhere around the 300 to 320 hours of actual seat time with a supervised driver or even more than that, depending whenever I feel comfortable to send him for a road test. And then that's where the problem comes in because you guys can't get your guys in for a road test. That's correct. Or we would have to travel to, let's say, the Paw or Dauphin. And right now I can tell you on my dash on the semi when it is completely empty with an empty trailer we're getting 40 liters per 100 kilometers so to travel to dauphin and back you're looking at a 1200 kilometer round trip that's a that's a pretty price like that's that's a pretty big expense to take on for somebody who could have gone for a road test in winnipeg or something right so there's a lot of things that come into a factor with it and sometimes we do have to turn down a road test in the paw or something, which is a 16-hour round trip, because there's no way I can shut down a truck, and then we're also losing profit on that truck for an entire day while we shut it down to take this guy for a road test. It's a very big cost 
um, onto the company to train these guys. And if we were to send them to a class one school, you're looking at about $8,000 for schooling costs for a class one license right now. Let's say you're going to Dauphin for a road test. What would a total cost on a, on a trip to Dauphin? What would that maybe cost you? Well, you're running 40 liters per 100K at twelve, at basically 1,200 kilometers. Uh, so, you know, you're at 450, 500 bucks in fuel, $600 in wages, plus uh, at least $1,000 lost profit on the truck. You're talking well over $2,000 cost to the company. And that's if you can get a test and you can't right now. No, they only book 60 days in advance. So that means every single appointment in the province of Manitoba is booked solid for the next 60 days. So we get in the office every day at 8.30 when MPI opens, and we call and we hope that somebody has cancelled one of their appointments that they've booked in those past 60 days. That way we can take their spot to get in. But there's a lot of trucking schools that have... I don't know if they have a set number of spots they're allowed, but it always seems that these trucking schools seem to nab up the spots a lot quicker than like a small independent company like myself can. Gotcha. And then that's even if you can get through to MPI at 8.30 in the morning because we know there's a backlog on the phones. Even. Correct. We're actually even looking at sending one of our drivers right now on a three-day course through either United or Arnold Brothers just to have a better chance of getting a spot with MPI, like we're going to pay for a three-day course just because it would be that much less of a headache for us. Justin Burla, Transport Supervisor at Elite Excavating. So there you go. That is the impact that this backlog at MPI is having on one company here in Winnipeg in Manitoba, Elite Excavating. Significant, huh? This backlog at MPI. So that's why we talk a lot about it. I know a lot of people are excited about Barack Obama coming to Winnipeg, March 4th. Uh, Lisa Dick, uh, certainly excited, and uh, she joins us on the phone now. Hi, uh, Lisa. Hi there, how how are you? Excellent. I'll just remind people that uh, you used to have Cornell Cream, and uh, you've been posting on social media about an interesting story uh, relating to the visit from the former president, Barack Obama, and your family. Tell us this story. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, well, uh, um, we decided to purchase tickets to go see him because I thought it was just one of those things you had to do once in a lifetime opportunity. And there was a chance to buy tickets to do a meet and greet. And um, initially I thought, you know, to have them, my husband can go, but he can't because, you know, the farm, he has to stay home. So we talked about it as a family and my son piped up and said, I would love to go because he's one of my heroes. And I was like, oh, well, okay, that's something I didn't know about my son. And secondly, that's awesome. Um, and he said, no, I, I love him, Mom. I would love to meet him. That would be amazing. So we agreed to to let Aaron go. And um, so we registered and purchased the tickets. And you had to give your name and a um, little bit of contact information, not much else. And they came back with information and I thought we were approved. I thought we were good to go. We were really super excited for this opportunity. Um, you know, we, we consider it a privilege to be able to do it. And we were just so excited. I thought it would be something really cool in a young teen's life. I mean, these are formative years and, in kind of like a life-changing experience. I remember hearing uh, Bill Clinton talks once in the States and, and yeah, it was kind of just one of those moments, you know, 
Um, but I received notice yesterday that Aaron, for whatever reason, was no longer able to do the meet and greet because they said he was flagged by Secret Service. I was speechless. I didn't know what to make of it. Um, he's 17 years old. I don't know what my son could have done to warrant that. So I, um, we're just kind of still working out the details to see what the situation is and why he supposedly is flagged by the Secret Service. And you haven't been given any reason for this at this point? No, no, not very, very little details as to why he would be come up as a flag. And it may be one of those cases, which I think most people have heard of before, you know, where the name is similar to a name of somebody maybe who they do need to worry about, and maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a simple mistake that can be corrected. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and I'm and I'm assuming that's probably what it is. I don't know how they go about doing their, their checking and vetoing process, but in my my mind, of course, number one is, you know, um, I'm thinking they didn't even have his birth date. So how are they going to know who my son is? Um, and if you are familiar with background checks, you really can't identify anybody unless you have that information. If you ever place a call into the RCMP, the first thing they always ask is what's your birth date so they can match. Even then, it's hard. I've worked in healthcare, and I can tell you so many people have the same name and even same birth dates. So it's really hard to make a positive identification on somebody. I just found it was a little bit harsh to not do further digging and um, rule out that it's possibly not my son that yeah. they're looking at. I, I will know? just I will just say this. I mean, this is the Secret Service, right? If the Secret Service right. says here's the the Secret Service says the sky is green, while well, the sky <laughs> is green. I mean, it sucks for you and your family and your son. And I yeah. I hear you when your 17 year old son says. Ma, like this mm-hmm. is, you know, somebody who matters mm-hmm. to me and he has a chance to hear him speak and then meet him and shake hands. And I mm-hmm. get I get the disappointment that that really is mm-hmm. is too bad, Lisa. I, I feel bad yeah. for you. I I really hope you can work things out. There's not a lot of time and and hopefully something can be done. But a, as I said, boy, it's a secret service. It, it, it's one of those, you know, it, it reminds me of when I was a kid and my mom and dad said no. And I said, <laughs> why? And they said, because I said no. <laughs> That's a good perspective. Yeah, yeah. Well, my kids will be used to that. But I, um, yeah, it kind of, it's just one of those stories that you read about or yeah. hear about and you right. think, that's never going to happen to me. It's going to happen to that person. Oh. But now I'm now I'm living it, and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. It's an incredible feeling. I can't yeah. describe it. Um, pure devastation yesterday and sadness. Um, uh, we're pretty sad. Yeah. Really sad. And Aaron, um, probably the saddest of all, eh? Yeah, he is. This was a big defining moment. This was going to be one of those things. Um, you just can't get these moments again. Um, they just don't come around. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. So we're, we're you know, we're still working on it. The, the behind the scenes people are working for us to, to possibly come up with another solution. I don't know if it's possible, but um, yeah, my, my kid, he likes to play football. He's graduating. Good kid. I just don't, I can't put the two and two together. So, but like I said, we respect the secret service. We respect the security of the president. Of course, we're on board for that. No way are we against that at all. So we, you understand it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lisa, I wish you luck with it. I hope things can get turned around. I appreciate you telling us all about it. When I saw that on social media, I thought, Oh my goodness, what a, you know, and, and as a mom, I imagine as a, as a mom, you're proud of your kid anyhow, but when your 17 year old son, Aaron says, 
Ma, like I care about this guy and what he stands for in his politics. You're excited as a mom. You're proud and you want to make it happen. And then when it doesn't, I understand. Yeah, no, that's exactly that moment. I um, Because he, he tends to like uh, sports athletes. Those, mm-hmm. those are kind of his role models. And I thought, this is incredible. Like he's just starting studying law right now in school. And he loves it. And you know, he's got a girlfriend who has aspirations to be a lawyer. And I'm thinking, this, this is great. Like, I bought tickets so she could go, and I'm going to take my daughter. And I thought, you know, what better? Like, mm-hmm. here it is, right from the horse's mouth. Like, this, you know, we've, we've long admired the family right. and what they've contributed to society in, in the States. And, and we thought, this is they're such a classy family. And, um, you know, I'm just reading her book right now. So, yeah, um, it's kind of just very frustrating on so many levels you know though we understand it we're still frustrated through the whole process you know we just wish there was something there's an alternative to their vetoing method and Mm. it just seems kind of done um yeah i i I mean i we can't understand it that's not for us Mm. to to know their processes but you know yeah um, well my fingers are a range of emotions here (laughs) yeah my fingers are crossed for you i hope it works out lisa but thanks again for telling us about it Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. All right. That is uh, Lisa Dick, her 17-year-old son, Aaron, excited to see Barack Obama right here in Winnipeg at Bell MTS Place. And the Secret Service has said no. For some reason, he will not be able to meet and greet the former president. That's too bad. Hope they can work it out. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.